Hey, Zach. It's the Best Advice Show. I am on vacation with my family, and so today I'm going to replay a favorite episode of yours. It's from my first boss in radio, Celeste Headley. I am a longtime veteran of NPR and PBS. Um, many people know me from my TED Talk called 10 Ways to Have a Better Conversation. And I am a very, very mixed race person. And she is also the author of Speaking of Race, Why Everybody Needs to Talk About Racism and How to Do It. There are so many people who are ready to write off family members to never speak to their parents again or their cousins or their neighbors to live literally next door to someone for the next 20 years and not speak to them i just had to step in and say you can do this not only can you do this but it must be done because it's not possible for us to move forward while we are ignoring and ostracizing 50 percent of the country And while that may make you feel better on a principled stand, um, or I don't, I wouldn't want to say self-righteous because that has a negative connotation to it, but it might make you feel like you are right and morally justified, but pragmatically, that's how you lead to catastrophe. That's how we got where we are. What have you noticed actually works? when you're trying to have these conversations? Oddly enough, um, you have to make it hyper-personal. So one of the worst things that you can do in these conversations is talk about broad topics. Um, You can't talk about black people. You have to talk about the one black person that's in the room. The more you speak just from your own experience about what you've seen, what you've done, what you think, the better off you will be. Number one, you don't have to worry about whether it's true because your own experiences are of course true. But number two, you are not going to get into these generalizations that are so easy to tear apart. The thing to remember about race is that race is not biologically real. It's a construct. But what that means is that How many people are in the world? Seven billion and change. There are seven billion different experiences with race and seven billion definitions of racism um, because it's so incredibly personal to ourselves. And the experience that I had, you know, 25 years ago changes my view of what race is, what it means. And that makes it easier for people in the conversation because I don't have to worry about history. I don't have to have done all of the reading. I just need to ask questions to learn about that person's perspective and past experiences. It takes all the pressure off. And to clarify, it's not like you're saying don't, it's not like you're saying disregard history, but in this moment, you kind of don't have to deal with it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I say that the stakes are high in the world and really low in the conversation. Right. I mean, we have to, for the sake of a society, become anti-racist. But in that conversation, that person didn't take your job from you. That person didn't discriminate you in terms of housing. That person is not responsible for the systemic racism that's oppressing people of color all over the world. So the stakes are quite low in that conversation. All you have to do is have a respectful conversation, which is not the same as liking somebody, um, honor each other's shared humanity, and learn a little bit about each other. And that's it. Okay, so you are my neighbor in this thought experiment, Celeste. You put up 
a Trump sign in this thought experiment. I have, uh, for the for the sake of this thought experiment, I have a Marianne Williamson sign, okay? I don't even have okay. a Biden sign. Right. And I think the fact that you even put up this Trump sign makes you... Evil. Evil, racist, and awful. But you know what? You live across the street from me. I see you every day. Where do I start? Um, so you don't have to start with my Trump sign. You are not going to agree with, on that. Um, but there's lots of other things that you can begin with in order to create some kind of remind yourself of your shared humanity, create an empathic bond between two human beings. And eventually over time, it will lead to the Trump sign and you'll be able to have that conversation. But you can't have the conversation about the awful thing first. That, that uh, blog um, shit my dad says, there's this one thing that the guy says uh, when his son is complaining about it, a dude that hates him. The dad says, stay away from that dude. You don't put your blanket down next to the only pile of dog shit in the park. <laughs> and it's the same thing in conversations. You don't have to start with the Trump sign. I bet they also like dogs. I bet they maybe like more or less spice in their food. I bet there's lots of places that you can start and you can acknowledge it. You can begin by saying, uh, gesture to your signs, say, hey, <laughs> clearly we have a lot of differences of opinion, but I'm not here to argue with you about that. I'm just here to, to remind you that I just wanted to let you know that they're coming to pick up leaves on Thursday. Did you need help raking your leaves? Start there. And so what's the goal with, with these conversations? That's a great question. And it always should be asked before you begin them. Because very often we think our goal is to change somebody's mind, which is ridiculous and it's not going to happen. So your goal should be to learn something about the other person. That's how low the stakes are. That's it. Just learn something new about that person that you didn't know before. And I say this because although I do believe that it's important to change minds and we have really good evidence that minds do change. Look how far we've come in terms of uh, same-sex marriage, in terms of LGBTQ rights. Minds change, but they're not going to change over the course of that conversation. And there will be no Paul on the way to Damascus moment where the, the skies open up and light breaks down and they say, my God, I've been wrong about everything. So the goal needs to be quite small and incremental. It's just to establish a connection with that other person. And like hypothetically a year down the line you know 10 10 dinners in with this person are you then presenting some of your evidence about how racism exists in america or is that just not on the agenda you don't have to plan for that it will come up eventually you will get to the trump sign eventually they will get to teasing you about marianne williamson at some point they will feel safe enough in that relationship to walk out on their porch and go, hey, you and Marianne, you know, going to be on the next UFO out of here. <laughs> right. And then That's you can laugh one. about That's it. Right. Yeah. And um, and you can laugh about it and that can begin the conversation. But that's going to happen organically over the course of a relationship. You know, it, it, as I'm writing this book, one of the chapters is called When It's Worked. Mm. And I give the example of of people's experiences when they have been talked out of hatred 
It has never occurred in one conversation or even two. It's incremental and it happens over time. Are there any other common denominators about those, those people who have changed their minds? Yes. Uh, they have never been ostracized. For example, I, I, I spoke for a long time with, with uh, Derek Black, who's the godson of David Duke. His dad f uh, founded Stormfront. Um, and he changed his mind quite radically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but one of the big reasons he did that is because a, a guy he knew in college kept inviting him to Shabbat dinner. And it instructed everyone that they were not allowed to talk about racism or Nazis off the table. And so all they did was sit down and have dinners and he felt safe. And he began to realize that uh, Jews don't actually eat your head off, right? They're not dangerous to you. And so he was able to see them as human beings. And by making that human connection, it made him question his own beliefs. So if you're talking about common denominators, I would say that the thing you see over and over is that people were forced to question themselves. It's, it's rare that they were questioned by somebody else. It's they were forced to ask questions of themselves. Like what? What's, what sorts of self-questions? So the things like how, if I am writing uh, articles about how dangerous Jews are, and yet I'm having dinner with Jews every Friday, how do I reconcile right. those? Right. Or uh, Derek would talk about the fact that, wait a second, am I actually hurting people? He never even considered that he was really harming people that he would care about. Never even occurred to him. And then he had to start asking him, is there a direct line between what I'm doing and saying and actual damage done to other people? And those are the kind of questions people ask of themselves that eventually will change hearts and minds. The last thing I would say is that we've tried avoiding these conversations. We've been doing that for generations where talking about these things was considered impolite, uncivil, um, inappropriate, and it obviously hasn't worked. I mean, can we just stop for just a moment and acknowledge that that has not worked? Instead of leaning into it and avoiding them more, it's insanity to me. We have to try a different way, and that way is going to have to be having the conversations. And in order for us to have those conversations, we have to make it okay for people to make mistakes. Because people are going to make mistakes. And it can't mean uh, we shut down the conversation, we call them a racist or a libtard or whatever your insult of choice, and we, we label them and stop speaking. We have to say, okay. You made a mistake. Let me explain why that mistake and let me explain why I don't want you to use that language again because it's offensive to me or to people I care about. Mistakes have to be forgiven. That's Celeste Headley. Her book is Speaking of Race. And if you have recently spoken of race with someone you disagree with, I would love to hear how it went. If you have any strategies, I'm all ears. Give me a call on the hotline at 844-935-BEST. That's 844-935-BEST best. You can also email me at zak at bestadvice.show. <laughs>